I want to tell you a story. It's a story about people who do some of the hardest, most important work on earth. They start churches in places where people tell them, we don't need church. They provide food and shelter for families who don't even have the basics of life. They share the gospel everywhere for everyone. They are North American missionaries. It's always been hard doing what they do, but it's not always been like this past year. When the world shut down, the easy thing for them would have been to wait, hold off, or to stop. But that didn't happen, and it never will. Because for your North American missionaries, the mission always moves forward. We're still sharing the gospel. We're still impacting lives. We're still here. We never stopped. Right now, your North American missionaries are adapting. They're innovating. They're coming up with new ways to take the gospel into places it's never been before. You can do that when you have tens of thousands of people like you who give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Ministry costs money, and so your giving enables us to continue to spread the good news of the gospel. You see, no matter what's happening around us, when the world says stop, God always says go. That's why we're seeing new churches planted. We're seeing needs met, and we're seeing believers baptized. It's what happens when God's people give, pray, and go. Thank you for praying for your missionaries because prayer is powerful. And thank you for giving to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. As you do that, you provide the fuel that moves the mission forward. There's so much work to be done. Now, more than ever. It's estimated that there are 275 million lost people in North America. And so, what happens next in this story is up to you. Morning, everybody. Let's stand together and say hello to your neighbor as we get ready for worship.
Baptist Church. We made it to spring. Yay! Hopefully you noticed that this morning when you came into the house, the sun's shining. My flowers have been up for two weeks. I think, or, yeah, I think they're all, uh, all messed up on their timing, but they look so beautiful. We're getting ready to enter the Easter season. We got a lot to celebrate. And it's great today because as I came in this morning, especially in the first service, I got to see faces that I haven't seen in a while because people have gotten their shots and they're able to be out and about. And I just want a round of applause for the fact that we've got people that are coming back every Sunday. And I, and I realize that we still have our friends and families that are still watching online and we just thank you for joining us today. It's just a blessing to be in the house, and whether you're online or you're here in the service, uh, Father, we just thank you for giving us the privilege to join together to worship you. Today's a busy day. we got a lot going on. The child that you hear screaming in the front, that would be my granddaughter. That's the way it always works out. But I will tell you this, this is nothing new in the Perry household because for the last 24 years, that's what it sounds like every Sunday morning when you try to get my kids to get out of bed to go to church. So I'm used to it. It doesn't make, make me too nervous. But today we get to do a, uh, just a wonderful thing in the life of our church. We get to um, have a baby dedication. It's not only about the parents uh, dedicating uh, that child so they will raise them in a Christian way, but it's more on you guys as a congregation uh, because they are looking for you to come alongside of them and partner and pray and to help raise these children so they're going to see Jesus Christ through the things that they experience in their life. And I can't think of anything that we need to celebrate more than as a church family we get the opportunity to do that. So in just a moment we're going to be doing that and I ask you just to sit back and smile and enjoy and and just wish that you could hold babies like Danny does. I gotta, Dan, it's the most exciting thing in the world to you. It's the greatest thing ever. Danny gets to hold babies. If you saw the video at the beginning of our service, you know that we're in the middle of our Annie Armstrong offering. And Annie Armstrong touches us in so many ways. And a lot of times as churches, we don't understand exactly the way that we play part in that. But just to give you some examples, in the past, if you've been a part of World Changers, if you've been a part of Mfuge, if you've been part of any of the sin teams and the, pro, uh, the 
uh, mission teams that have gone out, whether it's disaster relief. There are so many ways in which the Annie Armstrong offering helps us do the mission work through the Southern Baptist Convention, and we're blessed by that. And don't ever think that you guys aren't a part of that because I've been able to serve with several of you. Um, not only adults, but students in different capacities as we've gone out and we've been able to share Jesus Christ. And that is really what our calling is. If you notice that Harold is really emphasizing the fact that our church is going to be a part of um, reaching out to our neighbors, the people that are closest, and sharing the gospel. It's the go- taking the gospel next door. And that's our emphasis. And we want you to be a part of that as those things go on, the opportunities present themselves over this uh, year. We just thank, we're just thankful that we have the opportunity to share Jesus' love in this community. And you guys are wonderful at it, and we just want to use those contacts and those things that you know about the people that you work with and are around to share the love of Jesus Christ and share the gospel. So don't hesitate on that. If you're not part of a group yet, we've got a lot of them going. And if you were here on Wednesday night, you know this place is busy again. The children's ministry is working with Kids Rock, and they're meeting over there in the activity center. The student program's meeting on Wednesday nights. We have small groups that are meeting over here. So many things, and we're blessed as a church that as we come out of this COVID, that we're putting our feet back on the ground. If you haven't yet, don't worry. There's plenty of opportunities for you to be able to serve and share. And we look forward to having you do that, join with us, because we can do so much in ministry. So just make sure that you're praying for that each day. Pray for the ministries as they come back online. And remember that uh, we've got so much to offer our community. As we get ready for worship today, I just want to take a moment and just welcome. If you are a guest today, and I know we have a lot because it's baby dedication day. If you're a guest, we just want to offer you a special welcome today. And we want to ask you one favor. If you can take an opportunity and stop out in the foyer by our welcome desk and just get a chance to meet you personally, we would absolutely love it. If there's anything that you need while you're here, don't hesitate to ask our wonderful volunteers that serve out in the foyer. They'll be able to point you in any direction that you need to go. But more importantly, if you're online or if you're in here, make sure that you jot us a note down so we have that in the church office. We'll make sure that we reach back to you this week because we just think it's special and we don't want to miss anybody. We want to just uh, welcome you and give you a great Burlington welcome. So as we get ready for worship today, I'm going to ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, that sunshine outside, the beauty of this day, the wonderful sounds of crying babies, even in your worship house today, makes us realize that you gift us in so many ways, Father. And we need to come to you humbly today, Father, and ask you that in this time of worship, that the songs that we sing, that the words that are spoken, that this time of dedication, Father, that you would just bless it with your Holy Spirit and just let it be a full part of what we're about at Burlington Baptist Church. Father, special blessings on Harold as he brings the word today. Allow that word to penetrate our hearts and allow us to be on mission for you in a special way. And God, for our friends that are still at home and as this thing winds down, we are just anticipating the day when we can all gather together and celebrate. And especially as we come into this Easter season and we get ready in a couple of weeks to celebrate that Easter morn, the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, who makes all this uh, possible. And he is the reason why we gather. 
Father, we just pray that you'll be with us in the preparation for those days. God, we just thank you. We love you and adore you. We just ask your spirit to be in the service today. We pray all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we get ready today, now we're going to move into a time to celebrate our babies. And what we're going to do in our service is we're going to call the mothers and the fathers and the babies, and we're going to ask to join on stage with one of our staff members who will be giving a little bit of biographical information, but just allowing you to see the baby for yourself. I know it's hard this time because it's not that touchy-feely thing, but hopefully it'll give you a glimpse in just the love and the blessings that God has given our church. So the first person I want to call up are Emily and Scotty Schauble. Come on up. Yay. This is Mr. Owen Ray Schauble, aren't you? There you go, yeah. Owen sporting the bow tie today. He was born on December the 14th in 2020. It's one of the good things that came out of 2020, right? Okay, just checking. Grandparents are Lou Emma and Roger Mormon, Teresa and Scott Schauble. He has a br big brother, Easton, and of course the parents are Emily and Scotty, and they both serve in the church in different capacities. Emily, you grew up in this church. You're in the youth program. I hope our youth program doesn't have the same problem with your son as we have with you. No, no, I'm not. No, we loved it, but we just appreciate so much. Appreciate you, Owen, man. I'm glad you're here today. Thanks for being here. I'm glad they woke you up. It looks like it, but... Uh, we're just here to celebrate and just know that this church family is here to stand by your side. Anything you want to say, Owen? Okay. Just gives me that straight look. He's got a dead pan face. So we just appreciate you being here and letting this joy, uh, sharing the joy of your family. Thanks for coming up. All right. I get to introduce Calvin Robert Cox. Bring Calvin up here. He's got a bow tie on also this morning. Good-looking fella. Calvin, amen. Calvin it was born August the 5th, 2020. Chelsea and Jordan Cox is his mom and dad. They started coming before COVID, and we got to stay in touch, and then I got to go to the house and see them after COVID. And uh, what a joy to, to meet you guys and to know that Calvin is going to be raised by a mom and dad who love Jesus. Let me pray for Calvin. Lord, thank you for this life and the lives of these children today. Lord, we know that life is a gift from you. Children are a precious gift. I pray for, for Chelsea and, and Jordan as they raise Calvin. I pray that they'll point him to Jesus, that one day he'll trust in Jesus as his Lord, that he'll be baptized, that he'll follow you. And uh, we give you praise today for this precious life. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This is a very exciting day for sure. And this morning, I would like to introduce you to Catherine Marie Hoskins. And she's our newest little baby because she was just born on March 3rd. Of course, many of you... Oh, gosh, March 7th. She is very new, that's for sure. So one of her first outings out, I guess, so is here to church. And, 
And uh, this is Kim and Clint Hoskins, and they're very involved in the church here and plugged in. Um, her grandparents also attend church here, and that is Greg and Laura Hoskins. Great-grandfather, I know if he's in the house, he'll be proud. That is John Walton. And, of course, she has a big sister at home. So it was funny when they were coming in this morning, I was kind of out there looking to see as they came in. And, and I said, oh, Kim, you look beautiful. I can't believe you just gave birth. And the baby's beautiful. And Clint goes, yeah, hi, I'm here too. <laughs> I was like, well, get used to it. And you're definitely getting outnumbered with having Emmy at home and now Katie. So we're excited to have you guys today. And I'd like to pray with you all. Father God, we just praise you and are, come to you in thanksgiving for this beautiful gift of this beautiful baby girl. Catherine Marie Hoskins. And God, we just ask that you always walk by Katie's side. We ask that your love always be a comfort to her, God. And God, let your light always be her God. And God, this morning I just pray for Kim and Clint, that you give them knowledge and wisdom and patience as they teach her and as she grows, as they teach her in your way, God. And God, I just ask that this church family, that we walk alongside of her with her parents as we all help her to hear your voice, God, until one day she can hear that voice of yours on her own and you call her to be a child of yours. God, we love you and praise you and thank you for this day and again for this beautiful gift of this baby girl. Thank you for Katie. And we pray these things in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Get on up here. I'm glad you got my text on what to wear, Trey. Yeah. <laughs> this is Hank Commodore Huffman. This is Mom Taylor and Dad Trey. And we've got grandparents, Wendy and Vern, back there. We've got Tammy and Tim Picklesimer, as I like to call her, Mama Picklesimer, sitting back there as well. And Patty and Troy Caswell, um, great-grandma, great-grandpa back there, and aunt, proud aunt. And he has two sisters, Harper Grace and Berkeley Kate. He was born September 22nd, 2020. And buddy, I thought when he came out you were gonna get one that looked like you, but you cannot win. You, can, <laughs> you cannot win. Let me pray, let me pray for you guys. Lord, we just thank you so much for this family and what they mean to our church and what they mean to me, Lord. And we thank you for Hank and, and his life, Lord, and the life of everyone in their family. Lord, just watch over them and guide them and help us as a church to guide him in the way that he should go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Took me a second to get that microphone on. So this is uh, Crosby Ray Webb, and he's here with his mother, Sarah Webb. Uh, Crosby was born September 29th of 2017, and uh, his grandparents are Doug and Amy Webb. And so we're just so excited about the Webb family. They've uh, kind of come to us in the past couple months and, and just uh, are excited about the Lord and are excited about being here and being a part of this church, and we're just we're excited to have Crosby here with us this morning. And so uh, let me pray for you guys, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just the Webb family and, and just their desire to bring uh, Crosby here and just to raise him up uh, to follow you. God, I just pray that you'll be with us as a, as a church as we live alongside them and just uh, help to, to bring him up in your way. God, we love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen.
All right, here is the second one I get to do. As I told them in the first service today, this is Isabella Ann, and she is the only child that I like in my household right now. <laughs> and you can see why. But she's going to start crying now. But this is Isabella Ann Perry. She was born on November the 23rd of 2020, and she was the best thing that came out of 2020 for our family. Uh, these are our parents. This is Andrew Fuller, and this is Brooklyn Perry. And then her grandparents are Michelle Fuller and Kendra and Jeff Perry. I, I'm a grandparent? It's hard for me to believe because I don't look that way. But, you know, um, but guys, you know we love you, and you know you got a church family that just loves you and has wrapped their arms around you. And I'm going to ask that you just stay here for a second because I'm going to ask that all the parents come up at this particular time and come and join, stand on the front top row so everybody can get pictures spread out there. But this is the time for us as a church staff and a church family that we get to pray and we get to uh, dedicate your children. So I'm going to read something to the parents, and I just need you to acknowledge it at the following of the reading, however badly I butcher this, okay? In presenting your child to the Lord, do you promise, in dependence upon God's grace and upon partnership with the church, to teach them the truths of Christian faith, to set a daily example for them, to bring them up in the instruction and dis discipline of the Lord, and assist your child in growing as Jesus in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Now, I need the congregation to stand up. And this is to you, congregation. Recognizing the responsibility that you have as a congregation toward these children, do you agree to deal with them lovingly and tenderly, seeking to manifest the Christian spirit toward them always? Do you promise to provide education to them at this church by giving of your time, your talents, and your money? Do you promise to encourage these parents as they seek and do what they have already promised in bringing up their children? If you accept this responsibility, please say, I do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed today because a lot of times we take for granted the blessings that you just pour in our lives. But as these families share and lay their children at your feet today, Father, to raise them in a Christian home, to make sure that they understand the teaching, and more importantly, to hear the saving grace of your son, Jesus Christ, so they may know him one day. Father, we just thank you for allowing us to be a congregation that folds in around them. Let this be a representation of families of love, of grace, and mercy. And may our church always be a beacon to this community. Let them know that it's a safe place to raise your family. It's also a place in which they're going to know of the ultimate creator of the universe, our Father and our God. Father, I just ask that you bless each one of these children and all these families and parents because we know that those hard days are coming our way. But when they come, allow us to always turn to you and allow us to lean on your understanding and your guidance.
Father, again, it's my pleasure to pray, pray for each one of these families today. And we do it in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you guys want to stand back up, we're going to continue our worship this morning. Done great things. 
song we've sung a few times up here um, but it talks about seeing God in every moment and I think that's just such a comforting thing you know when you're in your weakest and roughest moments knowing that God is right there beside you every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, I start to fall. All those lonely roads that I've traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus. For this man who needs amazing kind of grace, for forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, Shadows of the alley. There was Jesus in the fire and the flood. There was Jesus. Always is and always was. No, I'll never walk alone. Never 
Amen. Thank you, praise team. Nothing better to sing about than Jesus and nothing better to preach about than Jesus. And uh, man, you are a good looking crowd this morning. Uh, we've been in a series this year, turning our eyes upon Jesus, and uh, we certainly want to look to him. And I don't know about you, but uh, he's become even more beautiful uh, as we've studied him. And uh, we've seen in his heart, he's gentle and lowly. A few weeks ago, we saw him as the coming bridegroom, coming back to get his, his bride, the church. Uh, we saw him last week as the baptized, beloved Son of God. And uh, Jesus occupied three particular offices, that of prophet, priest, and king. And so we said he was the greatest prophet because he revealed God like no one else. He was God. And so he certainly revealed God. And this morning, we're going to see him as the great high priest. And next week as the King of Kings uh, on Palm Sunday. So this morning I'm in Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to begin in verses 14 through 16. And uh, we'll look at a whole lot of verses in Hebrews. But if you find your place, I invite you to stand, and uh, we'll honor together God's Word. It is good to see uh, more back today, and uh, exciting about that. And we welcome those joining us online. Hebrews 4.14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we could draw near this morning to the throne of grace. We come through Jesus. Uh, we thank you for the mercy and grace that we find when we come to you. And I pray that you would speak spirit in a mighty way. Give us ears to hear. Remove any distractions that we might see Jesus. And we might be drawn to him this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you've read Hebrews, you know there are lots of chapters that talk about how Jesus is our high priest, and he is greater than all the priests that came before him, all those mentioned in the Old Testament. And, uh, and, and so we're just going to kind of skim the surface this morning. Uh, let's jump in there, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest. And so the first point is just the proclamation of Jesus as our great high priest. Now, the high priest was a very special position, and it had special privileges with it. Most noteworthy was the privilege of once a year, on what they called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, uh, the priests got to go into the temple 
into the holy place, and this once a year go into the holy of holies. The holy of holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was, and it represented the very presence of God. Only the high priest was allowed to go into that area, and only once a year. And they would go in there, they'd offer a, a sacrifice for themselves, and then a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And so uh, Hebrews 9, let me just point this out, Hebrews 9, 6, these preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, that's the holy area, uh, performing their ritual duties. They would do that regularly. But into the second, only the high priest goes, but he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. And so the high priest could go into the holy place, pass through the veil. If you remember, there was a veil separating the, the holy of holies. And we know that uh, on the crucifixion when Jesus died, the veil was torn. And it brings access uh, that we now enjoy into the presence of God. Uh, so Hebrews 4.14 says, We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. And so after Jesus made his perfect sacrifice of himself on the cross, he passed through the, the heavens into the very presence of God where he now sits at the Father's right hand. Um, now, not everybody can be a priest. Uh, few people could serve as a high priest. Uh, few could be a priest. You had to be of the line of Levite, of that tribe. And uh, according to the Mosaic Law... No one could aspire to, to the high priesthood unless he was of the tribe of Aaron. And so we might ask the question, well, what qualifies Jesus to be called uh, our great high priest? Well, so let's look at the qualifications of Jesus as our high priest. And it just so happens the next chapter, chapter 5, gives us uh, the qualifications for a high priest. And let's look at those. Uh, Hebrews 5 Verse 1, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. That's what priests do. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And so uh, four basic qualifications to be a, a high priest. First of all, Hebrews 5.1 says, Every high priest chosen from among men. And so it's not for the angels, it's for man. And we know that God became man. Uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. It's talking about Jesus there. John 1.14 says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we know, uh, Hebrews 2.7 says that you made Him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned Him with glory and honor. He's talking about Jesus, that He, he would come as a man. Listen, if Jesus had never became a man, he could never have been a high priest. And so the incarnation, God becoming a man, is, is so important. Uh, it wasn't an option. Uh, it was an absolute necessity. 
John Calvin said, It was necessary for Christ to become a real man, for as we are very far from God, we stand in a manner before him in the person of our priest, which could not be were he not one of us. Hence, the Son of God has a nature in common with us, does not diminish his dignity, but commends it the more for us, for he is fitted to reconcile us to God because he is a man. And so the first qualification is that that God became a man so that he could be a high priest. The second one, Hebrews 5, 2, that he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. In other words, he has to be able to sympathize with men. Well, Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. And we're going to look at Hebrews 4.15 in detail this morning, but it's an amazing verse because it highlights his solidarity with his people. Uh, There's a hymn that we sing, No One Understands Like Jesus. We sing that, and sometimes we don't think about the fact that he can relate to our weaknesses and I think sometimes we have a tendency to think about his blessings and and when when God's hand of blessing and favor and when that's on us, uh, we we think about that sometimes and we praise God and we should. We should thank him when when he's blessing us. But Hebrews 4.15 says that he can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Jesus sympathizes with us. Uh, That word sympathize is a compound word. The prefix is with, and it's translating a a verb that means to suffer. And so literally, he is able to suffer with us. Literally, in our suffering and pain, he feels our suffering and pain. And in a sense, his heart is is drawn to to us in our suffering. And we saw this earlier. in John 11, when, when Jesus travels to Bethany and, and Lazarus is dead and he's been dead for four days and, and Jesus, he knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But when he saw the, the, the grief of Mary and Martha, it says that he wept. He weeps with us in our suffering. And uh, a few weeks ago, we were reminded that his heart is gentle and lowly. Listen to, to Hebrews 2. 17 and 18. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And so he has been made like us and can relate and sympathize with us. The third qualification there in verse 3 is he's obligated to offer gifts and, and sacrifices for sin. And we know Jesus did that. Uh, we're getting ready to enter the, the Passion Week of, of Easter when Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Hebrews ten twelve. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And so he's able to offer a sacrifice. And the fourth qualification in uh, Hebrews 5, 4, no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God. And we know that uh, Jesus was appointed by God. We, we saw that last week, didn't we? Uh, when Jesus was baptized, this voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus was chosen, sent, Honored by God the Father. 
Hebrews 5, 5, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a priest. And here the writer quotes Psalm 2, 7, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And then in verse 6, and he says also in another place, here he quotes Psalm 110, 4, priests forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, we're not going to get into Melchizedek. We meet him in the Old Testament in Genesis 14. Abraham is coming back from war, and he meets this guy named Melchizedek. He's a, a king and a priest, a king of righteousness, uh, a priest. And, and some scholars believe that Melchizedek was actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And so that, that's called a Christophany. That's when Jesus shows up in the Old Testament even before he come as, uh, as the son Jesus. And so what we quickly realize is that Jesus met all the qualifications for being a high priest. Now, that's the, the tough work. Let's, let's get into the functions of Jesus. What, what does Jesus do for us as our high priest? And I'm just going to call that the functions of Jesus as our high priest. One of the primary functions of a high priest is to offer sacrifices for sin. And so first, he sacrificed. Now, we already looked at this in Hebrews 10, 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. And so Jesus' sacrifice is different than all the previous high priests who came before him. Different in two particular ways. The first way is that uh, the high priests before had to offer a sacrifice for themselves before they could offer a sacrifice for the people. And the reason is because the priest was a sinner himself. But that's not the case with Jesus. Jesus is without sin. And so Hebrews 7, 26 says, For if indeed it, is in, it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest... Holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. And so he didn't have to offer a sacrifice for his own sins because he was without sin. The second way, his sacrifice was a once-for-all sacrifice. It didn't have to be repeated daily or even yearly. Hebrews seven twenty-seven. since he did not... Uh, he has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Church, listen, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient payment for all of our sins. Nothing else is needed. We don't add anything to Jesus' sacrifice. He doesn't have to do it again. Our sin was paid in full on the cross. And so, first of all, he sacrificed. Secondly, he sympathizes. Hebrews 4.15. This, this verse is so important. Uh, Jesus, uh, the reason that Jesus is able to sympathize with us is because it says that he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he has in every respect been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Now, we sometimes think that our temptations are so strong. I want you to think about Jesus. Now, we can assume that Satan threw everything that he had against Jesus. Now, we get a picture of it in, John, in Matthew 4. Matthew 3, last week Jesus was baptized. 
Then he goes up into the wilderness for 40 days. He fasts and prays, and then Satan comes and tempts him with food and power and authority. And, and we know that uh, Jesus resists those temptations. But that was just at the beginning of his ministry. We can assume that Satan continued to come against him, and Jesus endured them without sin. And so we can never say to God, you don't understand what I'm going through. We can't say that to him because he was tempted in every way that we are. Now, the example I, I use, if some of you have had kidney stones, and uh, I've seen you in pain, I've visited you in pain, I, I, I can't relate to that. I've, I've not had kidney stones. I, I don't want them. I'm not asking for them. I just, I'm just telling you I can't relate to that. Now, I've also visited people who've had a ruptured appendix and have terrible pain. Well, I've had that, and so I can relate to that pain. Well, here in the Scriptures, it's just telling us that Jesus can relate to our weaknesses and our temptations because He was not immune to those. Dan Ortland in, in his book, says he knows what it is to be thirsty, hungry, despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, falsely accused, suffocated, tortured, and killed. I don't think any of us have got through all that, have we? He knows what it is to be lonely. His friends abandoned him when he needed them the most. And, and Orton says that if he had lived today, every last Twitter follower and Facebook friend would have unfriended him when he turned 33. He who will never unfriend us. And so Jesus has experienced all that. Now, let me linger on verse 15 for just a few more moments. It's, it's such an important, it's kind of the hinge, the anchor for verses 14 and 16. Uh, it says that in every respect, he has endured those temptations yet without sin. And so Jesus had no sin. He never gave in to the, I mean, we never, sometimes we give in before we really face the temptation. But Jesus never did that. And so he can relate to our pain, our suffering, our temptations, our trials. Hebrews 5.8 says that although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And so because of what Jesus suffered, he is able to endure as our sympathetic high priest. And uh, we like those baby sounds, so don't worry about that, Jordan. Uh, Dr. John Wilson used to tell this story. Uh, Booth Tucker was a, was a preacher, and uh, he was conducting evangelistic meetings in the, the great Salvation Army Citadel in Chicago. And one night, after he had preached on the sympathy of Jesus, a man came forward and he asked Mr. Tucker how he could talk about a loving, understanding, sympathetic God. And he said, if your wife had just died like mine has, and your babies were crying for their mother who would never come back, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying. A few days later, Mr. Tucker's wife was killed in a train wreck. Her body was brought back to Chicago and carried to the Citadel for the funeral. After the service, the bereaved preacher looked down into the silent face of his wife and, and then turned to those who were attending. The other day when I was here, he said, a man told me that if my wife had just died and my children were crying for their mother, I would not be able to say that Christ was understanding and sympathetic or that he was sufficient for every need. If that man is here, I want to tell him that Christ is sufficient. My heart is broken, it is crushed, but it has a song, and Christ put it there. 
And I want to tell that man that Jesus Christ speaks comfort to me today. And that man was there, and he came and knelt beside the casket while Booth Tucker introduced him to Jesus Christ. And so I, I look out, and I, I don't know what some of you may be going through today, but I want you to know this, that we have Jesus, and He can sympathize with your pain. And I want you to know He's sufficient. And even in the midst of our pain, He can put a song in our heart, and He can speak words of comfort. And I've seen Him do that so many times. He's able to do that. And so He sympathizes with us. Another function of Jesus as our high priest is that He mediates on our behalf. He mediates on our behalf. Uh, notice Hebrews 9.12. Hebrews 9.12 says that He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of bloods of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And so by means of his own blood, and we get down to verse 15, therefore he is mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. So a mediator. A mediator is someone who intervenes to bring peace. Once you think about the gospel, uh, we have a creator, we have a God, and he is holy without sin. We're sinners our sin separates us from God. God hates sin. In a sense, in our sin, we are enemies of God. And yet we have a, a mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so as our high priest, he intervenes on our behalf. Listen, he's able to intervene for us because he was a man he's able to intervene on behalf of God because he is God and he is able to bring peace because he offered himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins he offered himself to appease God's wrath against sin I love that song Jesus thank you because it says in there once your enemy now seated at your table we were enemies of God in our sins. And we have a mediator who has brought reconciliation through his sacrifice. And, and now we're seated at his table. Now, we could say more about his mediation, but there's more in regards to Jesus' function as our great high priest. Fourthly, he intercedes for us. I, I love Hebrews 7.25 because it says he's able to save to the uttermost. And I've had people who come sometimes and say, well, I don't think he can. Listen, he's able to save to the uttermost all who come to God through him. But let's look at this verse in context. Verse 25, consequently, and that's based on 24 that he holds this priesthood permanently. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for us. He always lives to make intercession. What, what, is, what is intercession? What's well, like having two parties, and uh, God and us, and having a third party that comes in and makes a case on behalf of one of the other parties. And what we have is Jesus who comes in on our behalf and makes our case. And so Orland puts it this way, intercession applies what the atonement accomplished. The atonement, the atonement accomplished our salvation. If you remember, our ransom 
has been paid. Intercession is the moment-by-moment application of that atoning work. You can say, what does all that mean? Well, Romans 8, 33 and 34 says this. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Well, there is one who regularly brings charges. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And so listen, Jesus not only died for our sins, died on our behalf, accomplished our salvation, but he didn't stop there. He is at the right hand of God, and he is constantly pleading our case. And listen, I I want to say this. He's not interceding for us because the, the Father doesn't hear our prayers. He does. And not because the Father is reluctant to respond to us. Jesus intercedes for us as an overflow of his love for us. And let me just tell you this. The Father delights in saying yes to his Son. The Father delights in saying yes to his Son. And so I I, I tried to illustrate this. This It's kind of what I think of when I think about Jesus interceding for me. And I I, I just get the picture maybe on Sunday mornings of of Jesus saying to the Father, Father, that that little preacher down there, he, he can't halfway speak sometimes, and he slurs his words, and he didn't spend enough time with you this week, and, and he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and, and sometimes he lacks courage. And Anyway, will you just speak through him this morning? And Father, Spirit, will you, will you get your message across despite him? And will you maybe save someone for your glory and honor? I... I just think Jesus maybe is interceding on my behalf that way. And, and maybe sometimes he says, uh, Father, he's struggling today with fear and worry. Will you give him victory over that today? And Father, sometimes he gets a little puffed up. Will you help him to, to, to stay humble? And I, I think sometimes we have such a wrong view of God. We, we think God is sitting around waiting for us to mess up. That's not the case, church. He's our biggest cheerleader. He wants good for us. He's got our back. He is constant. Listen, Jesus is constantly pouring out his heart to the Father for us. And I'm just going to tell you, knowing that Jesus is interceding for me makes the biggest difference on how I live. It, it gives me confidence to be able to stand up in front of you. It gives me confidence to be able to tell someone about Jesus. Listen, part of the reason that we have eternal security is he always lives to make intercession for us. And so he's always saying, Father, I, I died for him, and, and I, 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 I know he will blow it a lot, and, but he's mine, Father. And, and if we don't hold him in our hands, he's never going to make it. But he's always interceding on our behalf. And listen, even when my prayer life's struggling, even when I'm negligent in spending time with God, Jesus is interceding for me. Listen, you, you just got to take some time to think about that sometimes. When you're overwhelmed by the cares of this world, you've you've got to just call time out and say, wait a minute, Jesus, he not only died for me, but he is even now interceding on my behalf. Do you ever stop and think about that? You should. I know my time's right out. Let me give you another thing he does. He advocates. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so you may not sin. As believers, we don't want to sin. But if anyone does sin, and we do, 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the, the righteous. And so his intercession and his advocacy, they're closely related, but they're a little bit different. Uh, why is having Jesus as our advocate so important? Well, because he's righteous and we're not. We need his intercession all the time. I, I need it all day, every day. We need his advocacy specifically when we sin, which we do way too often. The enemy's always waiting to accuse us. and he, I mean, he's always, in my life, he's always got lots of reasons to accuse me. And yet the Father, the Son, Jesus, has the ear of his Father. And he's regularly reminding the Father, listen, I, I paid for that one too. Help him, forgive him. But I've got that covered. That, that's what Jesus does for us as our advocate. And, and there's so much more. So, so many, listen, you've got to study this a little bit about what Jesus does for us as his high priest. It's It's glorious. And so, in light of Jesus as our great high priest, let me ask you a question. Do we need an earthly high priest today? Somebody said, no, we don't need one. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn in two. You remember, from top to bottom, God tore the veil. And what that means is that access to God is open. Through Christ, we're invited to come into the presence of God. We don't need a priest. In the New Testament, we, we don't see any type of Christian priesthood established by Christ or the apostles. As a matter of fact, Peter says of believers in 1 Peter 2, 9, that we're a royal priesthood. Listen, we believe in the priesthood of the believers. We are priests in the sense that we have direct access to God. Yeah, we should have said amen to that. All, listen, all those claims of some special priestly mediation between God and man in offering forgiveness of sins or making atonement for sins, that, that's it's just unbiblical. It's unbiblical. It's open defiance to the finished work of Jesus Christ. In the Roman Catholicism, the priest administered grace. Listen, that's not biblical. We're invited to come to the very throne of grace. You're invited through Jesus to come and enjoy the grace of God. And listen, I'm not a priest. You don't have to come to me. How about that? I, I mean, it's my privilege to pray for you. Some of you sometimes, I, I enjoy that. But listen, my prayers is no different than yours if you come through Jesus. We're priests in that sense. And uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a priest yourself. You don't have to wear the garb. You can just go to the throne. And uh, you can come directly to the throne of God. Now, I'm out of time. And let me just quickly, the ramifications of Jesus as our high priest. Hebrews 4.14, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast our confession. Let's hold firmly to what we believe, to our confession. Let's stand strong in the beliefs about Jesus, his work on our behalf. His sacrifice is sufficient to save us. And we don't have to add anything to his sacrifice. Do you believe that? Well, let's hold firm to that. And listen, we don't have to live in fear because he is interceding for us and he cares about us and what's going on in our lives. And listen, we don't have to fear losing our salvation because he is pleading our case before the Father. And so church, hold firm. Hebrews 4, 16, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And so let's approach regularly. 
Let's approach regularly. Listen, because we are able to come covered by the blood of Jesus, we can come with confidence, not in our righteousness, but in His righteousness. And listen, church, it's foolish not to come to Him regularly. Why do you want to sit around worrying when you're invited to come to the throne of grace? And listen, we're not limited to once a year. Daily we can come. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Listen, the door of, of the throne of grace is always open. Approach regularly. And then thirdly, receive graciously. Uh, at the end of verse 16, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I, I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help in this life. And we're invited to come and receive it. And so church, receive it graciously. I mean, I'm humbled by the thought that sometimes I, I wake up on Sunday mornings and I, I, I pray a little bit and I'll, I'll look through my notes and, and sometimes I look at that and I say, God, that ain't much. And sometimes I say, I didn't spend enough time with you this week and I, I don't have much to offer. And I'm going to tell you what he does sometimes. He, he just, it's like the bread and the fish. And he just multiplies it. Now, I don't, I don't know if I tell anybody this. There's sometimes I drive home after service, and I just, I cry a little bit. Be because what I realized is I didn't have much to offer. And he just takes it and multiplies it and uses it. And th that's the invitation that we have is that we come and receive mercy and grace. And, and we don't deserve it. And listen, as our high priest, he has already made the only sacrifice we ever need. And we can come directly to him. And we can come and confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse. I mean, I can bring all the junk of the week and just say, God, I, I don't want to stand before him. And he'll just, if I confess it, he'll forgive me. And, and you might be here this morning, you might say, I'm not interested in all that priest stuff. Listen, you, you, you better be interested in the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Today you can come to the throne of grace and receive the forgiveness of your sins. You can receive that mercy and grace or, or you can decide to depart and, and not receive Jesus' sacrifice for your sins. Hebrews 5.9 says that he has become the source or the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And that obedience is referring to the obedience of faith. And so... We're going to close, but there's two possible responses to Jesus as our great high priest. One is faith and obedience, and that leads to eternal salvation. And the other is rejection and disobedience, and that leads to eternal damnation. And so I want to ask you this morning, how will you respond to Jesus today? If you've never been saved, listen, I, I want to invite you to respond to his sacrifice, that he gave his life to save you. And he offers mercy and grace if you'll receive it. And maybe you're here this morning and you, and you got some suffering and pain. And listen, he's a great sympathetic priest. And he cares about you. And you can bring those cares and those hurts and know that you have a sympathetic high priest who cares about what you're going through. How will you respond to Jesus as our high priest this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and just you're, you're a great high priest. You gave your life to forgive us of our sins. Lord, your sympathy, you, you can relate to what we go with and sometimes we feel like we're all alone and yet we realize that you came down here to earth and you endured so much more than we could ever imagine and you, 
you suffer with us. And you stand and you intercede on our behalf. And you're our advocate when we sin. And you, you bring peace between us and the Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. And I pray that we will come to you as our great high priest and find mercy and grace, comfort. Lord, in the midst of our suffering, that you'll put a song in our heart. Lord, thank you that the invitation is open. The throne of grace has been made available through the blood of Jesus. And I pray that someone respond to your mercy and grace this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand? And uh, I just want to invite you to respond this morning. If, if you need to be saved, I, I invite you to respond to the one perfect sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. And if you've got other things going on, I invite you to, to cry out to Jesus and experience His mercy and grace. Come out of sadness wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven Lay down your burden, lay down your shame.
That's a perfect song, isn't it? Bring our hurts, and man, he cares about us. And so I just invite you to bring your hurts to Jesus and let him minister mercy and grace to you. So good to see you guys. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, two weeks is Easter, and on Easter morning, we'll have 8 o'clock, 9 30, 11 o'clock. And uh, we'd love for our folks to try to make one of the two early services. Uh, you see how many's here today. We want to have room for guests. And uh, a lot of them will probably come at 11. So uh, if you're able to come to one of those two early services, please do that. And uh, we could use a few more on our First Impressions team. Uh, not all of our folks have been able to come back to that. And so they, they just serve once a month. And uh, the biggest thing they do is smile and say hi. And uh, pretty easy, ain't Larry? Just smile and say hi. Uh, if you'd be interested in that, let us know. Uh, we're having a meeting Tuesday night to plan for Easter. Uh, but we'd love to plug you into that and help you to serve in that capacity. So good to see you this morning. And I'll let Danny close for us. Thank you, brother. Uh, just the normal stuff. Uh, Dollar Club, the clear boxes on your way out, offering boxes. Let's give those babies one more hand and the parents. So let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, and, and what he does for us, Lord. Not only what he means to us, but what he does, that he intercedes for us, and, and so we can get closer to you, Lord. We thank you for allowing him to do that for us, Lord. Without him, we would be lost for sure. Lord, just help us to go out this week and tell somebody about Jesus, Lord, and share the good news of what he does for us, and, and just, uh, just plant seeds as we go. Lord, help us to be responsible with the children. And, and the parents as they come up in our church. Lord, we just thank you so much for them. And we thank you for the numbers that you're adding, not only to this church, but to your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.